you know, I always say science is fuck around and find out. So is health. Like you're going to try what you can and health is so individual. And, you know, I'm glad that it's going in that direction because that's one of the reasons I dropped out of med school is because not everybody's the same. Our bodies look different on the outside and on the inside. What's up? My name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Erin Dom. She is someone who loves to shape positive experiences through event planning, network marketing, and social media, as well as plan domestic and international yoga retreats and trainings. As the current COO of MSW Lounge and Nutrition, Erin takes it as her personal and professional mission to spread health education and help others reach their full potential. In this convo, we chat about how wandering through life and accruing different skills and experiences has allowed her to become a jack of all trades and become valuable in any room that she enters. And I'm hopeful her stories will encourage you to get out there and do a bit of wandering yourself. So please give it up for Aaron Dom. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have one of the coolest people that I get to work with on a daily basis, Miss Erin Dom. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm glad you didn't call me awesome so I can actually let my dad listen to this because he hates the word awesome. <laughs> so, well, what, is, why do, what does he have against I don't awesome? know. He just doesn't like that word. But as soon as you said cool instead of awesome, I'm like, I have yeah, to I was, say that. I was trying to think like <laughs> what what word. There's a lot of words that I could use to describe you, but I feel like what we're going to get into right off the bat, which is your IG handle yeah. your tagline wander and then your name Aaron and then Dom so wander and Dom it's something that I feel like you portray this ability to travel and do a bunch of different things like right before you came on this episode you were literally talking about how you woke up and you went climbing and then you taught a yoga class and now you're doing a podcast and then after this I'm sure you're off to do some more cool stuff um, which we'll get into later in this episode but I wanted to start off with how did you come up with that tagline so kind of a funny story. Uh, my tagline originally was Yogi Iran because I used to run ultra marathons and marathons and halves and all that fun stuff and used to love it. I run still, but not really. And then I finally got to a point and I'm a yoga teacher, got to a point where I'm like, ah, that's not really accurate anymore. So it actually was wandering yoga gal for a little bit. And then I was with Allison um, Vojtovich, who's a good friend of mine. She's also been on your podcast and she was like, you know, Wander and Dom actually works really well. So because I love to just go do lots of things and explore. And um, but, yeah, my name is Aaron Dom. Everyone thinks it's Dam. But, you know, 36 years of what, hearing what, that. Uh, ethnicity is that? It's German. German. Yep, Sweet. German. So actually um, three generations ago, we've done the whole thing. My grandpa knows my 90 year old grandfather is still alive and he'll tell these stories over and over again when they came over and started working in the, I want to say it was the coal mines, but I might be wrong on that in LaSalle, Peru, Illinois. Um, 
there was like 15 letters in our last name. I couldn't tell you what it was, but it they shortened it to Dom eventually. Well, it makes for a kick-ass name and yeah. a kick-ass tagline. What is the craziest place that you've wandered to that you found yourself self wandering to? That's that's such a such a loaded question because um I've done a lot of crazy stuff and people will tell you that while they're talking to me, I'll just tell a story and they'll be like, How are you alive? <laughs> So recently, my friend Angie and I went to Glacier, Yellowstone, and the Grand Tetons, and we uh, backpacked, we backcountry camped at Glacier in the no-name lake campground. And they're like, oh, there's been bears around and all this stuff. So we're backcountry camping. Angie can barely throw our food bag over the, they have like a 25-foot pole that they put up that you're supposed to throw your food bag over. And we took the minimum because we're both like, ooh, bears. <laughs> and when we were coming back from using the outhouse, because they do have an outhouse out there, both of us step in bear scat. So like fresh, like this bear is somewhere near us. But luckily we never saw it. And then we slept in the cold. And did you have anything to defend yourselves if you did see a bear? Bear spray. Okay. This this random guy gave us four canisters of bear spray. And of course, we're carrying all four of them. Angie's same size as me. She's awesome. And then in that same trip, we were doing like a 10-mile hike at the Grand Tetons. I can't remember the name of it. And we're coming back. And we had stopped to pee in the woods behind a rock, as one does, but far off the path and cover it, you know, leave no trace. And we come out. And there's this big group of people. And and this guy is like filming and he looks at us and he goes, did you see the grizzly? <laughs> and neither one of us had. Apparently like 30 seconds before we came out, a grizzly had walked in on that same path. Yeah. <laughs> so, but did you die is a really, really good estimate of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but to me, when you say that, I feel like you have to live to yeah. get to the point to say like, all right, okay, I've had some near death experiences oh, yeah. now where in the course of your life did you have the ability to just go out and have the courage and the confidence to do something like camp where there's grizzlies because that's going to parlay into what we talk about later here on the episode more of business and the operation side of things where being able to step out into the unknown literally is what you do every day in the world of business if you're trying to scale a business doing it in the wilderness is obviously a little <laughs> bit more dangerous. It sounds like where in your life did that start? Like, where did you gain that courage and that confidence to do that? Well, I'm an oldest child. So, you know, you learn to just kind of do Me your too. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oldest of four. I have two younger sisters and a younger brother. Um, very much a millennial was babysitting other people's kids at like 10 years old. So my parents and my grandparents and my family are very big on pave your own path figure out your own shit. We're here for you. We love you. We support you. But even my dad has said, I don't understand how she can do that. Just, I moved to Austin, not knowing a soul. Like I hadn't, I mean, I have an aunt two hours away, but when I moved here, I didn't know anybody. I met someone at like a training that I did and they're like, Oh, I know a bunch of people. Here's the context. So I reached out and I still have friends that I met through them. So it's just one of those things where I was told, just go do your thing. The right people will find you. And I have a grandfather who traveled all the time and we went camping when I was a kid and, and all of that stuff. So I think it's just been a culmination of all those things. Yeah. It sounds like you've had an environment that kind of was a positive reinforcement in mm. accruing those traits, which I feel like a lot of people don't have. They have the opposite where they have 
the the scarcity mindset ingrained in them. Where has kind of like having the courage or confidence hurt you? Because you like so maybe that bear could have found you, right? <laughs> it so could have, yeah. So but it didn't. I'm here talking. The flip to you. side of this question <laughs> is, and I know what it's like to be the the firstborn, and then kind of like you're figuring your parents are figuring things out mm-hmm. with you, um, and you kind of have this. I want to do it myself mentality, but that also can backfire in mm-hmm. certain circumstances. So in a point in your life, where do you, where do you feel like that kind of backfired on you? Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, I know I've definitely had jobs where I was very much considered employee. You do what I say. And I've had to either leave or <laughs> been let go because you know, the people in charge were not happy with that. Um, a very specific example is when I was in college, I definitely got put in my place in a class because I was going way off what they would have considered the rails. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to fail you because you're not following what, you know, in colleges usually be really creative, but this particular professor, um, it's usually situations where people are threatened by that as my sister would put it too much. And it's so cool with my my nieces. My sisters are like, if it wasn't for you and doing the things you do, I don't think I'd be able to handle my daughter. And my nieces are the coolest people I've ever met. So it's it's so cool that they're like, it's so awesome that they're like, and now I'm saying awesome. They're they're saying you Dad, are. You inspired. didn't hear that. Yes. Yeah, no, he'll be <laughs> all right. He probably won't even listen to this, knowing that. Oh, he's got to. We gotta oh, get him. To I know. My mom will make him. She has Spotify. She uses my family plan. But my sisters hearing that, that if it wasn't for the example that I lead and that I go do all these things and I'm not afraid to take these chances, that my sisters are more. Uh, they feel more capable of letting their daughters knowing that it's safe and that they can go do it because they've seen it. Do you have a specific example for them? Cause I feel like anybody listening to us, parents like this is enlightening mm-hmm. for we want to do our best at like helping provide a space for our children to become their own human being, mm-hmm. but then also like the human nature to kick in to just control things and do it our way is, is very real. Yeah. So it's cool to hear that your sister's kind of like opening up and allowing them to go on their own path. But I'd love for you to kind of dial into yeah. what does that actually look like for them? Yeah. So my niece, Rayanne, she is a little spitfire. She is full Leo. Uh, I'm nerdy. I love astrology. Full Leo and Sag. The girl can burn you with a word. And she has pretty severe anxiety and she loves making videos and singing. And her mom lets her do that she makes her do it on private mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Mariah is a, is a type one diabetic. So, you know, of course the first year was rough, but my sister has since gotten a lot more open with letting her go do things where she's not around and all of that and learning to manage that and to allow them to just be themselves because in my generation and yours, you're a little younger than me, but our parents didn't want to, you know, have the weird kid, but I was lucky that my mom let me be pretty weird. To a point. How would you define weird? Oh, I just, I'm trying to think of specific examples. I was just very loud and I would tell you what I thought and, and just beyond the sit and do what everyone says, kid. Like I was always thinking out of the box and I did really well in school because I could still sit and do what they told me. How did that show up in your friendships? Like what were your friendships like if you're, if you're the weird kid? Um, I would say that I found my people when I was older. I don't have a ton of 
friends from when I was really young. Got a couple guy friends I've known for a long time, but most of my friends I met in my late teens or by college. And I have friends that I could call them tomorrow and they'd show up. So it's, it's really that idea of you find your people. They're going to gravitate to you once you understand that be yourself. And it's I mean, just such a cool so way hard, to be. hard though. Yeah. Like when you're younger, it's, it's awesome to hear you say that. There's the word awesome again. <laughs> I, I, t- I tricked you. Now we're going to say it a lot. <laughs> it's very intriguing to hear you say yeah. that because from where I grew up and just un- understanding myself was just something that was very hard to do. Mm-hmm. I w- had to show up, I felt like I had to show up in a certain type of way uh, at all times, whether it was like on the sports field or in the classroom. Um, and that was being a male. I can't imagine like for females, it's like 10 X amplified. Were there any times where showing up like that, like hurt? Oh yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of my teen years crying and going into my own little world because somebody didn't like me or said I was being weird, but I still would express myself when I was alone or when I was with my family. And I've had multiple conversations with my siblings and even like my best friend, um, who I met when I was, I was 19 and she was 16. So we've been friends a long time. We have this conversation all the time, how Gen Z and the alpha generation are so much more prepared to be able to express themselves because their parents are more aware of it. Like my parents were not the norm for typical boomer parents. I know that's horrible to say that, but I mean, that that's just, you know, and yeah. my mom has even said, I wish that I wouldn't have held you back on certain things. And I'm like, well, I don't see it. Th- we don't remember things the way other people remember things, too. I'm like, I felt like you let me do everything I wanted to do as a kid or as a teenager or as an adult. I mean, they they supported me in my first two retreats. My mom and dad both went. And my mom's like, I really wish we could go to Thailand with you. But they watch all my nieces and nephews now. So it's a little harder. <laughs> now that I'm going to be a father, it's such an interesting thing because you can only do what you think is right in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then you're only given so much information to kind of articulate what is right. And for us growing up in our generation, we're the last generation that knows what it's like to be kids without the internet. Mm -hmm. Well, at least dial up, right? Like that, I don't consider that the internet. I mean, I think I was 12 or 13 before we had dial up in the house. And we didn't have phones. So we know what it was like. And I think that allowed, that has allowed me to, step into forgiveness a little bit of, okay, if I was in a time zone of the world Mm -hmm. where there was no internet and you can't really have easy access to information. So in any given moment, you're trying to make decisions. You don't really have a good selection of advice. Mm -hmm. And you're probably, most people back then would just ask the people closest to them. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best advice or the best decision that you should make. It's it's biased. Yeah. So granting them the forgiveness of that, but then what infuriates me in today's day and age is people have this access to this information and they have the ability to share stories like you're doing with your family and showcase examples where we can have offspring that have new opportunities Mm -hmm. compared to us. So it's really cool to hear you talk about that with your sister and and our children, because I think that's what more of what the world needs. We need more Mm -hmm. people wandering and, I'm always somebody that likes to be practical to give people tips. Mm. So if they're listening to this and 
they're like, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to take that trip or I've wanted to kind of be a little bit more weird. I want to, <laughs> I want to just put myself out there a little bit more. How do they go about doing so? Like what would the first step be for that person? So I did a lot of, you know, my family took trips. I had grandparents that didn't live close to home. So like I went to North Carolina and Indiana and I feel like Florida when I was really young. There's a lot of places that I've been that I'm going to again that I forgot I went to because my parents did make sure that we traveled a lot, that we saw as much as we can. We drove everywhere. I mean, we're Midwesterners. 10 hour drive is an easy drive I for mean, us. And, and if you have, you have, there was, there would have been six of us. Yeah. yeah that's, eight that's an if my grandparents plane went. flight. We definitely had a, an Econo van, like the big red van. <laughs> I think I could see it. Yeah. Um, that's what I learned to drive on actually. <laughs> and then I drove a truck for three years. Um, but basically it's just trusting yourself to do it. Um, I've had people who've taken their first trips with me out of the country or to a national park and for me and also the affordability of it, I know that's always, always a thing. I became really good at fundraising <laughs> when I was younger, whether that was convincing my teachers to sell chocolate and give me the profit on it in their classes or doing like Girl Scouts or I'm trying to think funding my own travel through a retreat company because, you know, I didn't have the salary five years ago to be able to afford it like I can now. But I, I would say the majority of my travel has happened in my late 20s and 30s just because that's when I became able to really have the time and the funding. But I would never tell anyone not to do it earlier. If you have the time, if you have the ability, go explore the world. I have a sick, how old is Kaylee now? She's 22, I believe. She went to Thailand for like three months by herself a few years ago, like before she started college. And I'm like, that is so fucking cool that my cousin let her go. So it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you get the opportunity, take it because one choice can completely change your life. Like I've been in Austin almost eight years. And if I had not taken that job that I took at the nonprofit to come down here, I would not have most of the travel I have or the people that I've become friends with. How do you plan a trip and how do you understand what tools you'll need for a trip? So <laughs> with the pandemic, it's become very different for me. Um, I usually pick a place, buy a flight for myself, buy a flight, get the rental and then figure it out. And I found friends who are really willing to do that. But when it comes to the actual retreats, I picked the place, reached out to places, decided on one. And then we started to market and all of that in the past for the, for the three we did in the past. This one was a little bit different. The one we're having in Thailand or I'm doing in Thailand. My business partner is not going with me, unfortunately, but it's really been a matter of, I'm like, I want to go there and I figure out a way to do it. So I, I like see the posts that I made on Facebook six years ago where I'm like, I want to lead a retreat with another yoga teacher in Costa Rica. And it ended up being Guatemala, but it worked. It's pretty much right next to each other. And then we both were like, we want to lead one in Greece. So we ended up in Greece in 2019. And do you just like find some, something online that shows like, I want to go to this place or like what, what calls you to a so specific point? With Costa Rica, I'd been there a couple of times. I did my teacher training there for, for yoga. I'm a now 500 hour E R Y T. I have so many letters behind my last name. Basically I can teach teachers and I've taught a lot of yoga and I'm prenatal and child certified. Cause I like to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. But with that one, it was like, 
Costa Rica is my jam. I like Central America. I hadn't really thought I wanted to go outside the box and go to Europe or to Asia or wherever. And then I reached out to Clarissa, who is my business partner. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this retreat. Are you interested? And I mean, I still have those Facebook messages, which is kind of the cool thing about social media is it sometimes stays. <laughs> sometimes they tell you it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and it just kind of happened from there. We took 21 people to Guatemala and I think we had 15 in Greece. So, and I'm going to Thailand with maybe a couple people. I still got like three spots open. So, so much to dissect. There's so many ways I can go. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> You've been mentioned in the retreats a couple of times and it's something that I've both done and was also a guest mm-hmm. at retreats before. Um, and they always leave me with a different impression every time I leave. Mm-hmm. And for you, what are some of the best pieces of you that have accrued because you've been a host of these retreats? I mean, I would say definitely the ability to do lots of different things and make a cohesive event or at a cohesive retreat. I know that those skills definitely came into our event and also being able to just meet people where they are because everyone who comes to a retreat is at a completely different space and you don't know where they are. I mean, you can you can interview them before, you can do the pre-intake, all of that. But until you get there and you get in the energy of the person, which is why in-person is so important. Like online's cool and I'm glad that it's an offering for a lot of things. But in person, you don't know where someone is until you're there with them. And being able to adjust and meet people where they are, but still be true to yourself is such a skill that I picked up from that. Because you've got people all different ages, all different levels of abilities, all different places in life. Like I've had people who had recently lost a job or who were going through different transitions. And it's just so interesting how you learn to to meet them and to you know, get their story. Cause that's really what it comes down to is, you know, we have so many people in our network that it's, it's the story. It's the story. Ultimately. Yeah, it is because that's one that's going to get them to come to another retreat or reach out to you when they would like advice in the future. Um, cause I still talk to most of the people that have come to my retreats and they check in and it's just kind of a cool thing. Um, one of the girls, so I didn't lead this one. I assisted on it in Utah in 2021, one of the girls and I are probably going to go do a road trip in July because she's like, I'm going to take a week off. You want to do it? And I'm like, I'm down. <laughs> so what are some of the pain points that people struggle with when they seek going on a retreat? Because I feel yeah. like there's so many people out there that need them mm-hmm. that never go on them because they just lack the self-awareness to understand how it could be helpful yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, cost is often a big one. And I try to make them as little as I can with still making the experience worth it. I like to book nicer places to go just because it's one safety in certain countries and certain areas. And you want to make sure the food's good too, because I'm a big foodie. The other one is I get a lot is I can't get the time off work, but that's more of fear because most of the time people, if you ask, they're going to let you have the time off, especially if you don't take a lot of time off. And if you do not get time off, you probably should look for another job because (laughs) getting time to be able to do experiences and spend time with yourself or take mental health days is so important. It makes you better at your work. Yeah. So let's flip right into that. How has both 
wandering on your own and hosting. Mm-hmm. How has that helped you in business? So definitely understanding the financial side of things. Uh, that's the huge one. Um, and understanding where it's okay to splurge a little, but also maybe not so much. And where I am a big fuck it, let's go kind of person, but I also am a giant Capricorn. And if I can't afford it and I'm going to be paying it five months from now, I will not go. So I make sure that I space them. So that's a thing. The other thing that I really think has helped is that meeting people where they are and just that, what did you use? It wasn't multitask. What was the word? Multi-manage. Just being able to multi-manage and finding the people that can do it with you that fill in the spots that you are not the most skilled at. So I'm not, marketing is cool. I understand it. I understand social media, but I like to let other people do it. I like to delegate that one. Yeah. So before we jumped on here, just to give people some background and context, we were talking about like multitasking and I view Aaron as somebody that has a really good ability to understand what's going on in not just one business, but multiple businesses. And then also what's going on with multiple people and diverse groups of people all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the word multitask when I was using Mm -hmm. it. I was looking for another word because technically like your focus has to be on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to managing things, you can set up processes and systems and understand how to manage different projects and different people all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That you do have a capability of doing. And just watching you kind of flourish in that role has been really awesome and enlightening to me and just understanding that is not what I want to (laughs) do. I'm pretty good when it comes to managing a specific thing. Um, in, and specific parts of different things. But when it comes to the entirety, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just not where where I'm strong at. I like to live in the clouds a little bit. And mm-hmm. that kind of hurts when you're trying to think of like small little things that need to get done on a daily basis. Has that always been the case for you? What Like going through school and, and college, were you that type of person that was always managing multiple things? Or is it something that you grew into after going on your trips and after hosting different things? It definitely, I definitely honed that skill um, with all of those things. But I think ultimately I kind of always have, I've always been an event planner. I've always done fellowship type stuff. Being able to manage people really does require that ability to do all of the things, but with intention. So you're not just doing a bunch of stuff all at once. You're doing it in a way that it will lead to what your ultimate goal is. Um, and whether that's starting to delegate, but still checking in or physically doing it yourself or finding people that are really skilled in it so that you don't have to do the thing that you're not great at. What was it like working in nonprofit space? So I actually, I really enjoyed nonprofit, a lot of networking. I like fundraising. So for me, like constantly being out there, talking to people, raising funds, I love the close. So it was fun when you'd be able to close and be like, I just got that huge sponsorship or that event or that. So we did the Austin Marathon. We would be one of the fundraisers for that. We would uh, get people to run for us and they would fundraise it for us. We called them fundrunners. Uh, I think they're still doing that. I just got an email from their executive director and I'm like, I should donate to this. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends, Devin Levesque is running in the marathon and then every, he's starting last and every mm-hmm. person that oh, he that's passes. What, he's the, he's the pacer or uh, what do they call it? Well, um, he, he runs last, he starts last and then every yeah. person that he passes is a certain amount of money is raised from yeah. sponsors. 
can't remember what they called that, but yeah, they started that the year that I got the organization into it, which is one of the things I definitely learned in nonprofit was ask forgiveness, not permission, because yeah, <laughs> if you don't take the chance and maybe get do you, in do you have a one of those. Do you have a practical example for that? Oh yeah. Um, I definitely didn't ask permission to submit us to be in that in the Austin gives miles, which is the charity charity side of it. And, and when that happened, my boss was like happy, but also like you didn't ask permission. <laughs> I was like, no, because it would have taken longer and I needed to submit. <laughs> so I love, of- I love that advice. Cause I mean, I have a huge one. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Tim Ferriss four hour work week talks about like this exact concept. And when I was living in Nashville and Aaron was living in my Aaron was living mm-hmm. in, uh, Houston, we were paying, obviously she was paying rent and then I was paying rent in Nashville and then we'd fly Mm -hmm. to each other. So I started thinking like, it doesn't make sense. We're spending so much money. Like I could literally quit my job and find a job that paid me way less and it would still almost be like breaking even. So this doesn't make sense. So when my lease was up, instead of like asking my job to leave, only my my floor manager there knew because I wasn't going to show up. So I was just like, hey, like just to let you know, this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to leave and whatever they, whatever the company chooses to do, like that's on them. I'm okay with it. Um, but I just ended up leaving that Nashville office. I drove to Houston and then I told my actual boss, yeah, I'm living in Houston now and I'm going to work remote. And, <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, not too happy about it. Asked me why didn't and I tell them? And I was like, you would have said no straight yeah. up. And uh, they actually let me work remote. It worked. So yeah. it was, that was a huge learning lesson for me because this was before I even started my own business and just seeing that like, I'm just going to go and like press go and then I can always come back and, and kind of fix things. How did the journey of the nonprofit lead you to MSW? Oh, that's a fun story. Um, so my actual background is in, I did my undergrad in health and sports studies. Human physiology mm-hmm. is my actual concentration. And then I have minors in biochem, physics and Spanish because I, Love to learn. I did actually. (laughs) I was I was in Alpha Phi Omega. I was the fellowship coordinator, ran for president. I am absolutely a person with ADHD that if I don't stay busy, I go crazy. It's a weird side of that, just FYI. I also bartended while doing that and worked full time at the hospital. So from there, I did a semester of med school, dropped out, didn't believe in the current medical thing. Still paying for that, but you know, that's cool. And then I got my master's in behavioral science and health education. From there, I did, I was bartending and serving, took a year to figure my shit out and started teaching yoga around that time. And that has obviously brought me into the wandering journey. Ended up in Austin because of the nonprofit, was with them until actually my last day was the day that the world shut down. So why, why Austin? Why Austin? Because I connected with the person who was in charge of that nonprofit and it was a health, edu- a children's health education nonprofit. And at that time, that's really what I wanted to do. That's where I thought them? Uh, we were on the, well, I applied. It was an AmeriCorps So it was position. just random. Yeah, like, it was random. I uh, interviewed for like eight or nine jobs. I just needed to get the hell out of where I was. I was going through a pretty nasty breakup. Um, where were you living at the time? Illinois. I was living with my parents. Okay. So... It was like three years after I'd graduated from college, four years. I don't know, something like that. Timelines are hard. 
and I just needed to get out. I have an aunt who lives two hours away. So I think I was just like, I want to move south. They don't get winter like we do. We get winter now. That was a joke. And so I ended up down here. I was bartending and working for the nonprofit and teaching because nonprofit doesn't pay anything, unfortunately. And I met Jonathan, who is Jonathan Mendoza, who's one of the founders of MSW. He was on my board of directors, actually, for the nonprofit. And we met in, and I don't remember this at all. John tells this story and I'm like, okay, it probably happened. <laughs> I mean, it's John. He remembers, he remembers everything. <laughs> it's insane. He's so, so brilliant. And he's like, that day I met you in that meeting, I knew I was going to work with you. And I helped plan like an opening thing for MSW in 2017, raise some money for, for Health Start, which is the nonprofit. And we kind of just kept in touch early 2020. And I actually just sent you guys that picture. You were there. Don't even remember you being there at that event. But yeah, I ran some like, it's funny chat. because Aaron's mom yeah. flew in today, like yeah. literally right before we press record here. And she was in town during that workshop. Yeah, I don't, Super I don't weird. remember you being there, but I, I'm sure you were. Funny part about events, I black them out. Um, I know they happened and things happened, but I'm like, oh, that's cool. So did that event in January of 2020. We'd kind of off and on. I think at that point I was only working part-time at the nonprofit. So we had off and on done some like little things together with MSW and me. At that point was like, I'm just going to consult and do my retreat business full-time, my yoga and retreat business. And then the world closed down. The last day of the nonprofit and the day I was supposed to fly to Greece to teach at a conference. So I went on unemployment because I'd already applied because the bar was like the bar that I was working pretty much full time at was, and I was making really good money and I enjoy bartending because what bar were you working at here? The tavern. I was nice. there for five years almost. And I still talk to a lot of my regulars, still very good friends with them, but I was making good enough money to be like, okay, I can focus on this. Then the world shut down. I was on unemployment for about five months and I can't remember exactly how I ended up coming in and like helping with the desk at MSW. And a month later, John's like, how do I get you full time? <laughs> and that's, we've gone from there. Why do you think he said that? Uh, because our sales tripled. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. Um, very good at sales and interacting with people, even though now I don't do as much of that. I more work on um, back-end type stuff, but we're going to be pushing more into the sales phase again. So I'm a little bit excited about getting to go out and do that now. So Yeah, I'm very excited. And just for the people listening, uh, I'd love for you to kind of describe what MSW Lounge mm -hmm. is, just yeah. because like that's where you kind of started uh, with the company. Let's hear it from your... Mm -hmm. From, from my, side. my side. So MSW Lounge or Mendoza Sports and Wellness, Jonathan started it in around 2012, I believe. Um, he was just taking on some private clients to be able to practice in the way he wanted in a more functional medicine sort of way. The lounge is a wellness clinic. We do blood work. Um, Jonathan does consults and things like that. But we also have IVs and shots. And it's just, it's it's a really cool place to come co-work or get an IV or hang out and meet your next business partner because the amount of those kind of relationships or partner partner. Like we have people that met through our company that are now like traveling the world together. And it's it's just so cool to hear about. So it's it's definitely that. It is a medical clinic, but it's so much more than that. 
And you get healthy. You get to do vitamins. Yeah, together. And that's where it's just like, it's almost like your accountability buddy Mm -hmm. to health. And that's how I originally got involved was just seeking people that were doing things a little bit Mm -hmm. differently and actually trying to understand the human body, not just make a assumption and then try to profit off of that assumption Mm -hmm. because that's pretty much how the healthcare system is today. The beauty of the lounges, you're going to go in there and you're going to have people debating what is what. And that's what we really need to push the needle forward, not just in health, but in business, in life, in politics and everything. You need that debate. And in a world where it's kind of diverging into who can yell louder, the lounge provides a space where it's more just asking questions every single day. And, and then, you're, you're going to be heard too, because yeah. all of us have been through it. We all have our own health journey. None of us are like, I took one supplement and it worked perfectly. We've had to go through, you know, I always say science is fuck around and find out. So is health. Like you're going to try what you can and health is so individual. And I'm glad that it's going in that direction because that's one of the reasons I dropped out of med school is because not everybody's the same. Our bodies look different on the outside. And on the inside. Um, and I have family in traditional medicine. Can you imagine going to med school and just being like to your teacher, like, why aren't we just fucking around and finding out? <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> I actually do have those conversations with friends who are in the traditional medical field and they're like, oh, I love it when I can talk to you because <laughs> you're one of my only peers, I guess. We're on the colleagues, peers. We're on the same level. We have the same amount of education. If you look at it that way and experience, I mean, I've been in and out of the health field since, oh God, 2003. I was working in the hospital in 2003. The easiest way I can dial into it is like health isn't something you learn. It's something you do. Yeah. So like the only way that you can fully understand and grasp is by doing Mm -hmm. something and then feeling the result. It's that's where science is. Like you have a hypothesis, like if I drink this thing, if I mm-hmm. do this thing for my health, what does it feel like? Yeah. I can't have somebody tell me what it's gonna do. And that's really the beauty of the lounge, is that's what we literally are are stating. Like how that's where how do you health stemmed from? Yeah. If you're listening, how do you health is the media side of the MSW brands where that's where I kind of got involved. I can't believe it's our is it like two years now? Was it twenty twenty one? Or 2020. Yeah, it was 2021. So two years. Yeah, I feel like it was like line. March of 2021. We all went to dinner, which is why it was so wild to me when I saw your name on that. Like, I, I think I knew who you were at that point, but I don't think we'd actually, you know, we probably met at the event, but I should go through my emails. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. When I you don't look think back Baldo or, or Doza hit me up to do that event. I think so. Was it you that was like getting the people to probably? To, to yeah, they the, probably gave me a list of people, and I just went to town on it. Yeah, because I don't so mind. I don't mind warm, cold, whatever. I'll I'll call people. I'll email people. Yeah, Yash would like this. It's serendipitous. Yeah, it's very serendipitous. <laughs> it's it's it's. There's a lot of what is MSW that is serendipitous. Like when we look through it, and I'm like. I'm connected to that person and have been for so many years. And it's so funny, like John's going pretty wild on TikTok right now. And a couple of my friends from college are like, I'm following this guy, Nurse Doza. And I'm like, oh yeah, I work with him. <laughs> and That's they're like, hilarious. really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the founder of the company I work for. So the, it's just so, so wild how it always comes back around. And like people that, you know, my, my best friend has the best story of this. She, her and her husband have been together for six years or so now. He's best friends with my brother. 
who granted my brother is five years younger than me. We would not have been hanging out at any one point or another. So he's a couple years younger than her. And she's like, yeah, there are literal pictures of us at parties back to back to each other where we did not meet. Wow. Yeah. And then they finally met and now they're together and they have two boys and it's just, he's amazing. But it's one of those things where the serendipitous thing, it's like, you meet when you're meant to meet and things happen in their own timeline. You can speed it up a little bit, but it's that same idea of take the chance. You never know what'll come from it. When you first signed on, when you were like, yeah, I'm going to work with MSW, what did you hope for it? Like, what did you see the future becoming? Because like, it changes over time. Yeah, so it's it's, like and you- it's changed for sure. So what I saw the future being is, for me, it's the helping people. It's the getting the people stories. Like, I love money as much as the next person and all of that. Like you said, healthcare is about how much money we can make for a lot of people. But ultimately, it came down to being able to help more people, whether that's with their health journey or by creating more jobs in a field where people could be passionate about where they are. You know, we've had this conversation and I'm like, I would love to do less and have the people that want to do it, do it and just support them in like the ways that they need, you know? Yeah, because that's you. Like at the end of the day, I look at it like that's you learning, Mm -hmm. like us stepping into the next phase is us learning how to help other people get Mm -hmm. what they want. And then those types of people are looking to grow skills to say like, hey, I did X, Y, Z. We've already done X, Y, Z. It's like you talk about a festival. It's like we've ran a festival. So the next time around, like I don't want (laughs) to run the festival. I want to enjoy the festival. (laughs) I want to remember (laughs) the month before and the month after the festival because I'm not in... You know, it's bringing people on board that believe in the, in the, in the mission of the ship and then giving them what they want. And I think it's such, it's such an enlightening thing because when you come into business, we only see the corporate side or what Mm -hmm. we saw in school. And it's kind of like cogs in a wheel. It's not at the end of the day, what I feel like we have is you realize how different we all are and how different of lives we all are living but at the end of the day, we have a core mission that's rooted in the same thing. And a lot of people, again, going back to the divergent thought where people are going away from debating and yeah. being open-minded and they're solely going into it's my way or the highway. One of the things that MSW that I've, I've really respected from the get-go is the ability to bring people into a room that necessarily when you are going to these different spaces wouldn't be the first people you would consider to be hanging out. Yeah. It's cool to hear you talk about your past because how you were involved in all those different things matches my story where I was a soccer player. I was an engineer. I was in a fraternity. I did a bunch of different things. And then if you talk to Baldo and Doza and Yash, we all kind of fit that mold. And the reason that I'm saying this and speaking this is anybody that's listening on the other end One of the things I wanted to convey on this podcast and one of the major themes that I want to put out there in the world is that being a jack of all trades is not only okay, Mm -hmm. you should strive to do it if that's your strength. And everyone on our team, it's now we're realizing, okay, we need to like hire people that aren't jack of all trades. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about that specific lingo because I've seen it from you and I've seen it from the rest of our team and anybody listening, one of the things that I've had conflict with over my life is people try to put me in a bucket and say, this is what you need to be doing rather than seeing the whole painting that I'm trying Mm -hmm. to portray. And it's really like, 
I like to do a little bit of a lot and that's my skill and I need to be put somewhere where that skill is then utilized. So for you, how have you strengthened that skill to be a jack of all trades? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. I, I actually really like that question. So there's not a lot of people to follow. That's why. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, I come back to my family, but I've had this discussion with my father and he is a very, he thinks very similarly in this way of like, well, why would I want to be pigeonholed? I'll get bored as fuck after five years. He's like, if you don't, and you know, my grandpa, he's like, if I'm not learning, I might as well die which is literally something my grandfather said to me when I was eight years old, because that's my family. They're very straight up and we'll tell you how it is, which you'll learn that anyone who's worked with me knows I'm like that too. But for me, it's like boredom and apathy is mm. like when you get to the point where you're apathetic, it's like worse than disliking something. It's like, you just don't care anymore. So for me being a jack of all trades, it's like soulless. Yeah. I'm never bored. I I'm always excited for the next thing. And you know, there's those moments like after the event where I was like, what am I going to do next? I mean, obviously I have my day to day. I make sure everyone's paid. I do all the back end type stuff. I go in and check in the clinic and talk to people and help where, I, where help is needed but now we're focusing into MSW Nutrition, which is the supplement company that is also that kind of came out of the lounge a few years after it started um, because we found that we really wanted to have the best quality of product and to be able to really be behind what we were suggesting to people. Well, John and Baldo did. I came in after, but it's it's a we. It's it's ours. We anyone who works with us knows that it is theirs once they work with us and they should get it out to as many people as they can. So for me, it's, it's that you have to keep evolving. Like Baldo said one time, Baldo Garza, the other founder, he's like, I get to create what I do. I will never be bored. And in order to do that, you have to be a jack of all trades and you have to kind of keep learning. And, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if I would be planning a three day long health festival, I probably would have laughed at you and been like, What? I mean, granted, there were other reasons for that, but yeah, definitely one of those things. And, you know, being the only woman planning it in our, in our group. And this is something I want to put out there um, for any female that's listening. Don't be afraid to stand toe to toe with your male coworkers because they will respect you if you get shit done. And it's, it's just such a cool thing to, to learn because 20 years ago when I was in high school, I would have never thought I'd be a COO of a company. So it's just picking those choices because one choice can make things different. You know, if I'd said, no, I don't want to work full time for them, who knows where I would have been. And that's where I want to kind of dig into this been a, a great conversation. We've gone in, in so many different directions, mm -hmm. but ultimately the theme was to show Jack of all trades and how, one, in the beginning, you're talking about traveling and, and the things that you need while you're doing that, the courage, the confidence, also the awareness to understand what you need to know, like what risks are willing to take or like, okay, we're willing to take to go into the, to the forest, but definitely have bear spray when you go to the forest, <laughs> yes. right? So highly suggest bear spray if you're in Montana or Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that also creates a problem in the business world, which I've seen, which is because we do tend to be planners and we want to be proactive with planning and preventing risk. That's the, mm -hmm. the normal person does want to prevent risk too much. So where to the point where like they can't see like maybe if I take this job, which I don't really know exactly what it's going to be, it could lead to that COO mm -hmm. position. Did you, 
think that you'd be sitting here. Like I have this saying that I, I literally, my buddy Hamza called me yesterday. He is crushing it. He was my first intern with Thrive. Yeah. And I told him this one day, I was like, he asked me if I knew where I'd be, where I was at. And I was like, I didn't know I'd be here, but I knew I'd be here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how else to, to explain it. And then he was calling me yesterday. He's like, this is where I knew I'd be just by the the people I've been hanging around and learning from. But I didn't know it would be, I'd be here right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like entrepreneurship is beautiful like that because it happens almost for everybody and it's happened for you clearly. And that's where the jack of all trades thing, if you're listening to this, you can't necessarily understand what's down the line unless you give it your all today. So that's where when you first started, what did your day to day look like then versus now? So at MSW? Yes. So when I first started, I was just working the desk. So I was ringing in things, helping John with, you know, we didn't have a nurse. It was just me, John and Baldo. Baldo was working. We didn't have you or Yash yet. So Baldo was working on the podcast and Allison. Allison was with us, but she did all the marketing. So we just let her run wild with that. When I started, I just worked the desk. I was just doing the day-to-day transactions, clearing all of that. Eventually took over helping with financials. Um, And then, you know, we had the insanity that was COVID. And it definitely gave us the room to be able to grow. But even without that, I think we would have grown leaps and bounds just because we started adding the right people. So ultimately, when it comes down to it, you have to find the right people to work with and alongside because some people will fit, some people won't. It's that puzzle piece idea. My puzzle piece looks insane. So finding those people that are on that same weird length is extremely hard. But if you'd asked me almost three years ago, because it would have been like early June, I think is my three year with them. I would have probably told you no. I had no idea what it was going to turn into. I don't think I planned on it being full time. I liked that it was or planned on it being long term. I liked that it was a 10 to 5. <laughs> and at that point I needed a little bit of stability. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to work from home today because <laughs> I like making my own schedule again. But at that point I'd been kind of with the nonprofit working whatever I could and it was just yeah. So I like the way that you put you knew you were going to be there, but you didn't know how. And you have to do it, be in the present, but know about the future in the past. Because if you worry too much about the future, anxiety goes insane. If you worry too much about the past, your depression goes insane. So you kind of have to find that like happy medium where you just kind of yeah, write it for le- the day. You got to learn from the past and, and believe in the future. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. That's something that I think all of us there represent. And it's not to say that we all have our bad days. Um, but the good thing is, it's like none of us allow bad days turn into bad weeks, turn into bad months. And no, it's, it's momentary. And we talk to each other about it because that's one of the things that I think is, is one of the best things that have come out of this last few years is people are advocating for themselves and they're talking to their higher ups and being honest and being like, this is what I need to perform at my best because ultimately you have to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, all of the Lees, you know, however many there are now, there's, there was like seven when I learned them originally, I think there's like 12 now. Don't hold me to that. (laughs) And if you're not healthy in one section, something's going to, going to suffer. So it's really cool that we all are able to talk to each other and be like, Hey, I need a few days. I'm going to figure it out. But we also get our shit done. 
and we make sure everything is is going the way it should. Yeah, expectation management. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've learned over the, over the years is just get people that are clear on the expectation management and like who does what by when. That's something we learned from Tan on his episode. And mm-hmm. I think we've that's the thing that we've been getting better and better and better at. And it doesn't stem from doing more. That's mm-hmm. another thing. It's like it stems from doing less and figuring out what your 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 strength is and then having that person just like really step into their power. So I love where we're going and and what we're going to achieve and the amount of people we're going to impact. But I'd love to kind of get towards wrapping up this conversation with allowing you to speak about uh, kind of your retreat that's coming up um, and then anything else that you're working on. We just talked about MSW, but if there's anything on the side that you want to mention, somebody else listening out there, they can either go on your retreat or they could sign up for one of your yoga classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to use this space to kind of talk more about what Aaron's doing on the side and however you want to flow with that. Go ahead. Awesome. So yeah, I do have a retreat coming up February 11th through 18th. It's in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, I still have three spots open. I know this will come out pretty close to that. Flights are relatively still affordable, especially if you're in a big city. But yeah, if you want to reach out about that, you can reach out to me on Instagram. It's Wanderin, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-D-A-M-M. So Wanderin Dom, wand in my name. Um, but yeah, I also, I also teach yoga and I've done teacher trainings alongside my business partner who's up in South Dakota and she's amazing. She's still doing two or three a year. She does a lot of sound bowl healing, but I primarily have focused in the last few years on group classes and just teaching at the YMCA. And I've worked in and out of YMCAs for, well, since I was 18. So half my life at this point. And it's just pretty cool. So if you're a Y member, you can come to my classes. I do. Which Y do you teach at? I'm at North on Tuesday and Thursdays, which I actually taught a class right before this from 930 to 1030. And then East, which is um, kind of by Walnut Creek in Austin, Texas. If you're listening in Austin, if you're not in Austin, I'm sorry. I don't do anything online. Filming myself is weird. I'm like, there's a Have you ever done that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I did it. Um, when the pandemic started, I actually taught like daily classes on the, in the weeds group, which is the service industry group in Austin. So to a group of like 18,000 people, (laughs) which it might've been bigger than that at that point. And I would just like set up my little Facebook and turn it on and teach a 30 minute class. And it was cool. I felt I was giving back. I didn't charge for it. I mean, I would have the, if you want to yeah, Venmo me. It's not scary at all. It's just, I just you don't, don't like, get the yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's, it's not the same as the 27 people I had in class this uh, morning. And I'm like, I need to go shower and they all want to ask questions and things like that. So I was a few minutes late, but it was cool. So yeah, if you want to find out more about yoga, travel, all of that, following me on Instagram is really the way to go. You can find me on Facebook, but I don't really use it. I think I have a TikTok, but I have no idea what my name <laughs> is. Um, but Instagram's where I post a lot of my yoga and it's primarily travel stuff right now because I haven't been doing much with yoga, but I do have a teacher training, so I can teach teachers, which is pretty cool. 200 hour. And we've, I did one cohort and like I said, my business partner is still doing it. Before I get into my wrap up question, why yoga out of all the modalities? (laughs) I fell into it is the best answer for that. Um, so I had taken it in high school when I had, I had started my practice in high school when I injured myself pretty bad. I had a stress fracture in my foot. I was a runner, all of that stuff. So I was doing yoga and aqua running. And then I continued to practice yoga through college, all of that to, uh, 
2012, I was taking a class with a teacher at a, at a small fitness studio in my hometown and he passed away. And I was like, I was certified as an ACSM, whatever the heck it was called at the time. It's been changed like four times. So I don't even know what the actual term is now. I think it's exercise physiologist. Now it was health fitness specialist. I like certifications. They're fun. And they asked me if I'd take over his class. So I took over it, taught for about a year, decided to go do my teacher training, did a month in Costa Rica and just has bloomed since then. Everything just kind of went through that. The universe said, do this. And I did. (laughs) And you listened. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I still teach. Like I said, maybe someday I'll do another teacher training and this is probably going to be my last retreat for a little bit. So if you really want to go on a retreat with me, got to go on this one. Um, But it's February 11th through 18th, Chiang Mai, Thailand. We're going to hang out with elephants and monks and amazing. do some really cool stuff. It's a really small group. So if you go, you'll get to hang with me a lot. And then, yeah, that's kind of what I got going on. Amazing. I keep being like, I'm not going to plan more trips. And then my best friend's like, let's go see Zach Bryan at Red Rocks. And I'm like, okay, let's see if we can get tickets. And then the trip Did in you get July. Tickets? It's a lottery and we won't know till February 10th. Okay. So we applied for their Houston and Worcester. Am I saying that right? Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the three really want to go to Red Rock. So Zach Bryan, if you hear this, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) If Zach Bryan is listening to to thrive on life, we're doing something right. Put it in the universe, but we're getting into, um, last little section here. Last question I always ask everybody, uh, is if I were to ask you to define thriving, what does it mean to you? Doing what you love and being really healthy while doing it. So feeling good and having fun, I guess is the way to go because what I love, what you love, what everyone else loves is different. But if you can do it and you can have fun or if you can have fun and feel good while doing it. And I guess being around really cool people is, is thriving as well. Yeah. It's ha- it's, being healthy, having fun, and doing it with people that you love. There we go. I love that. I said that with a lot more words. Hey, I have <laughs> I have a lot of practice. So. <laughs> He's done this a few times. <laughs> yeah, 200, what's this? Two and thir- it will be 235, so. Damn, I didn't get 269. I'm yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time, maybe next time. Maybe next um, time. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming to this conversation. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed it. At the end of every conversation, I kind of highlight like what my favorite part was. And for this one, it was really just the be weird part. It was really like something I look up to for you own every room that you go into and you're not ashamed to do that. And in a world where we're basically teaching people the opposite, whether it's online or in person, we're teaching people to be the same. And I don't like that. And I want more people to be inspired by people like Aaron, yourself, who are just doing their thing and doing what they love to do and doing it with people that they love. And that's really what life is all about and we need more people doing that that's where the thriving happens so i love that thank you again for coming here today i look forward to future conversations this is cj finley with the thrive on life podcast best thing that you can do for us if you love this episode share it aaron's dad please listen to it (laughs) Um, share this episode give us that five star rating and review and i'll talk to you next time this is cj thrive on y'all What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. 
When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.